Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. With you as always, I'm Priscilla McKinney, the president and mama bird here. And with me today, I have someone who is one of the biggest influencers in this space from market research and, and far beyond the world, but a good friend of mine, Isaac Rogers. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch for I cannot believe it the first time ever. What's up with that? <laughs> first of all, thanks for having me, Priscilla. And yeah, it is the first time. Like you and I, have, we go back quite a ways. We've never been able to make this happen in the past. So it's a real pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to it. Well, this is super awesome. So many people know you, but in case someone is living under a rock, <laughs> Isaac Rogers is the president of Sago, and you might have known that company as Schlesinger Group. So we're going to talk today specifically about rebranding because here at Little Bird Marketing, we're right at the intersection of marketing and market research. And it is a big deal when someone in our space, especially a thought leader and industry leader like Schlesinger Group decides to change the name. So there's been a lot of momentum changes, but Isaac is the president over at Sago and he focuses day in and day out on driving change, new growth, all these kinds of opportunities. This is why he and I end up in very bizarre conversations and wonderful conversations that really are about big picture thinking, but yet what is the day-to-day -day that we must do in order to make those really big dreams come true? So we're kind of like the Laverne and Shirley, I feel of this industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we don't get the little number of the chocolate that they get to pick up oh, off. Yeah, like, we've yeah, never yeah, gotten yeah. to do that part of the bit before. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's going to be on my bucket list. Okay, I'm going to go right to what we want to talk about today. But before I jump into these questions that I have that are pressing for me, give people an idea of your day to day, just some little snapshot in what does Isaac Rogers do? Yeah, so I get the best job on earth, right? So we are, I think most everybody knows Celestia Group, if you don't, we're a global services organization that provides a wide variety of services to the market research industry, quant, qual, in-person, digital, Europe, US, around the world. So my day job is to really work with what we call our business units, which is how we kind of think about the world and our different types of products and services, work with those leaders, make sure that we're innovating and driving towards the vision we have for the business spend a lot of time collaborating with people inside the industry, understanding like what do customers want from our products and services? Where are we trying to take this business? And so I'm kind of the intersection between how we're driving the business on a daily basis and then what our customers are telling us they want, how we want to change and evolve and, and really expand the tent of who comes in and does research. Because that's one of the big things that we're seeing at Sago these days is our tent has gotten a lot bigger than just the folks we used to serve five or 10 years ago. So I've got the best job in the world. I got a great team of leaders that work for me. Obviously great marketing because they were able to lead us through this massive rebrand. So I get to play with things like the rebrand efforts. I get to work a lot in technology. So I get to just really be all around the business and try to tie things together to make sure we're all working on the same page and driving towards an outcome. Well, I got to tell you as a marketing expert and somebody who has handled a lot of rebrands, it was really nice to sit in the crowd with popcorn and watch as this happened, but I kind of wish I would have had a closer seat to it. So that's why I asked you on the podcast, <laughs> I'm going to get my front row seat here. I got my popcorn. So tell me about this decision. First of all, yeah. we, before we go into what happened, but why this decision to rebrand a company that's been a staple in the market research space for over 60 years. That's pretty crazy. So what was that decision like? So I love a good story, right? And there, this is just, a, there's a great story behind how we ended up here. As I think most people know, uh, the core of our business has been Schlesinger Group, which is the products and services. I think kind of stereotypically people go, oh yeah, in-person research, a lot of qualitative. And historically that was correct. Going into the year 2020, we uh, expanded through a lot of acquisition and product development. 
really by the kind of the middle to end of 2020, and remember with COVID as a backdrop and what that did for in-person research at the time, our business was no longer the business that it was in 2017 and 2018 by a wide margin. We were a much larger quantitative services group than we had ever been before. We were a much larger digital group than we had ever been before. As a matter of fact, those two things now dwarfed the thing Schlesinger Group was. COVID was an extraordinarily challenging time for us, as I think it was for a lot of researchers. We had parts of our business absolutely exploding and growing. We had parts of our business that we were working really hard to kind of keep alive and keep customers into. Actually, about December of 2020, as a leadership team, we all realized that in order for people to really understand the scope of what Schlesinger Group could do, it was hard for us to get out from underneath that incredible legacy that Steve had built. I mean, it's almost like a lesson in branding when you build a brand that's too durable. And Steve had built this brand over more than five decades that really stood for something. And it was so indelibly marked in people's brains that over that better part of a year that we had brought these companies together, people couldn't get that out of their heads. We said Schlesinger, they said focus groups. And we were like, yeah, yeah, but like that is just a part. And today, even a small part of what we do, we have got to find a way to evolve who we show up as, as a brand in the industry. And so we started a conversation. It was around December of 2020 that we were at an executive meeting and somehow this concept of when is the right time for us to think about a rebrand came up. And I'm always kind of an instigator. And so I was like, oh, let's get started on this because we all kind of felt like this is the evolution our company needs to make as we grow and evolve. About a few days or maybe a week later, I'm actually on vacation. I'm walking down the beach and I had a regular check-in call with Steve, or maybe he called me randomly. I don't know. But I remember walking down the beach and being like, hey, I just want to be clear about something. Like I got really excited last week about this idea of just starting to open the first page of rebranding this historic organization you built. Before we go any further, are you okay with this? Like, your name's been on this building for over five decades. Like this is a legacy for you. And before I push too hard on this and kind of get a lot of people involved and we get a process going, you tell me that you don't like this direction or it's not the way we need to go and I'll stop it. And I'll do everything I can to make sure that we keep the name, whatever you want it to be, because this is the company you built. And in about two seconds, he goes, no, man, it's time to change. It is really time for us to stand up and realize we are a different organization. We have grown into a different thing. Our legacy is our foundation, but we have become so much more. We got to change this name. And I say that and I remember that because for somebody who could very easily just say, I want my name on the building for the next 56 years, for him to have the humility to go, this is bigger than me. This is the bigger than the thing I built. And I want it to be bigger and grow even more than it is today. That takes a really big human. So that was like an important moment for me. And that was about, I think, December of the year 2020, which is kind of for me was when we started to crack open this chapter and how do we rebrand this massive business? I think that does say a lot to me, though, about how he must feel about his leadership team. Because I talk with, of course, leaders all the time who are wondering, is this the time for rebranding? And it might be right for the business, but it's not right for the leadership group that you have at that time. And so to me, that tells me a lot underlying trust (laughs) with the team that he has around him. And so just kind of that idea that when people start talking to us about rebrands, they often ask us, well, who should be in the room? Who should have a say? So tell me a little bit about that. Once you iron that out with Steve directly and you're like, okay, I am going to push this. How did you decide who you were going to put around you to drive that initiative? 
Well, so that was kind of cracking the can open of, okay, rebranding makes sense for us. And I think you said something interesting, which is you have to have a leadership team you trust that can actually execute this. The other piece of advice you often hear from people when you start rebranding is don't rebrand for rebranding sake, hoping it drives initial sales, like like just to shake the tree and make people aware of you. Like you have a legitimate reason to rebrand. Your brand stands for something different now. And so our, we realized, and I think that one of the reasons Steve was ready to take this next leap is because our brand was starting to stand for something different. And so we needed to put that out in the marketplace. So I think when you have that kind of backdrop of we're ready, we're a different business, it does make the process easier. And then you have to, of course, have those people that you trust in the leadership team to kind of push this forward. So we put together a pretty small group. There was a delay because again, COVID is ravaging like we weren't like, hey, like <laughs> we're dealing with some of the most tense times in our business careers ever. Let's go do a rebrand. We just kind of planted the seed that's going to need to happen. And by about June or July of that next year, we got really serious. And about that time, we created a very small group of individuals. There were actually four of us, three of us to kind of get started, who said, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to find an agency to work with. And we're really going to be the ones that kind of shepherd this process. And so Steve Schlesinger was one of those folks. A gentleman named Steve Mast was one of those folks and myself. And then we were actually bringing in a CMO and she became kind of the fourth in that group. We would bring in other supporting cast of characters, but it was the four of us that were really interviewing agencies, thinking about how we put a brief together. A brief is an extraordinarily important thing. You can't underthink your brief. So myself and Mast really put a lot of our time into that to make sure that we got that in front of the right folks. We talked to a hell of a lot of agencies, 14 actual individual interviews. Uh, we had sent the brief to more people than that, but a few folks either didn't feel like they were up to the challenge or it didn't fit with kind of their scope. So we had 14 different folks that we interviewed. And then we we that same team of four kind of shepherded most of the early stage of the process. Oh, I so love that. But here's one of the things I really love about our relationship is that you usually will tell me what went wrong just as much as you'll tell me as what went right. And so I love that on my podcast. It's what we're about. We pull the curtain back and say, look, we're all human here. We're all really striving. We have large goals. We are coming into the office or into our remote workspace and every day just putting the very best that we have into these plans. But for me, that means having obviously a leadership team that you can share your failures with. But what's been so cool about our relationship, I've heard you even talk about this very openly in the industry. So I don't feel bad asking you to share where you felt like you all fell down a little bit and then where those successes were. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. Are you looking for experts and tools to collect research data worldwide? Global sampling, field management, and data collection are just some of the services that Gazelle Global provides. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how our expertise can help you unearth quality data that drives meaningful insights. Get your research done anywhere around the world quickly and efficiently. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. So I think there's two areas that we stumbled. And one of them was totally my fault. And I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you about that one second. So the first one was... Also, you can tell me even more about it when we sit down and we have a beer sometimes. Totally. But. I mean, like completely my fault. And everybody in the organization okay. knows it's totally my fault. So the first thing I think was nearly a misstep for us, and it's actually got a good story, is you're going through the branding process. We are six months in for those that haven't done this before, like you start with a very rudimentary understanding of like what your brand wants to stand for, some light positioning. 
and you start working towards, in our case, it was really about a renaming exercise was, it was a big key fundamental of this. And so we needed a new name. Well, we got to a point and we had been testing names and testing names and working through names. And again, this team of four, and then we would kind of expand it out a little bit, maybe bring five or six more people in and get their feedback, but then come back to the, the kind of decision maker group of four. And we had a name at a point. Okay. And we were like, yeah, that could work. And between the four of us, two of us really liked it. Two of us really were kind of on the fence. We actually brought it to our board and said, kind of, this is what we're leaning in towards. And this is, you know, our board is a bunch of sophisticated individuals that, that have been through these kind of processes a lot. And their feedback was, yeah, it could work. And as a company that is moving quickly, trying to make decisions quickly, whenever you get like, hey, yeah, that could work, like you go with it usually, right? Like you don't kind of second guess that. So, but big, important board meeting, we do this presentation and we get this feedback like, yeah, that could work. We go back and about a week or so later, we get this team together, this group of four, and uh, one of us goes, I guess I can get behind this, but I just don't feel like it's perfect. It's just not perfect. And don't we want perfect? And our, our CMO, Ellie, who had only been a CMO, by the way, for about or for us for about nine months. And she came in at the beginning of this process. And one of the first things I had to tell her was, hey, we've already picked an agency. And so she had a lot of trust in us. She goes, you know what? If we're not 100% sold, I'm okay if we go back and we try it again. And like the bravery that that took for her to go, you know what? The four of us trust each other. And if one, even one of us isn't 1,000% on board, like, let's go see if there's something better. And so that was a moment of bravery where we could have made a mistake, I think, and picked a name that was okay. And instead, she had the guts to go, okay, like, I hear you. We're going to have to spend some more money, probably a lot more time because it took us like six months to get here. And so you start guessing like, oh my God, are we three months, six months behind now? And she said, let's go try it again. So we went out and we went back to the agency and they're like, of course, are you kidding me? It's <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> I thought we had something. And they said, okay, let's go do it. And within about two weeks, we had Sago. Because what we learned, and I think this is the important part is, we had this name and there were certain aspects about it that we really liked. It was a really short name. It was really action-oriented, but it didn't do anything to kind of speak to our legacy. It didn't do anything to, and so there were some missing pieces. And so the minute that Sago came back in a list of potentials, it had been in a very early list and we dismissed it, okay? But the minute it came back, almost everybody goes, ah, there it is, there yeah. it is. And we knew it the second we saw it because we had this experience of kind of getting close. And then on further revision, we found a name that was just for us, absolutely perfect. So that was almost a mistake of going with something that was just okay. And again, total credit to Ellie for having the guts to back up and go, Hey, we're going to do this over again. Very few CMOs would do that. I think, I think hats off to her. The next mistake we made was totally my mistake, which is (laughs) I, we really, you know, you need launch events to really launch these brands. Well, right. And so I had chosen a certain event in the fall. I won't say which one it was. And I, I had actually committed an extraordinary amount of budget to it. And we were going to send a lot of salespeople. And we were going to be on stage three different times. And, and that was the event we were going to launch this name. Well, because of we were looking at redoing the name and it kind of put us off, we were not going to be able to hit that mark. And so we overspent on a conference that we definitely shouldn't have. Totally my fault. I was placing a bet. You know how these conferences go. You do this like a year ahead of time. So I guess the the warning is like, give yourself plenty of buffer. I was probably a little bit too aggressive with my timeline, but I was like, oh, we can do it. We can do it. And we had that one hiccup with the naming and it threw off the timeline. And, and so there it is. But maybe over aggression is something I would tell people to avoid. 
okay, well, personally, I'm trying to get my book out the door so that it is ready for IIX Austin in the end of May. And so I feel like maybe you're kind of like speaking directly to my soul no, right this, now. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't meant for you. <laughs> okay, so okay. This is just a I'm going to let comment. it go. <laughs> Well, I love the brand and I hope you take that as a, just a tremendous compliment. I love the active voice for me. That's number one, the winner, but I love the boxing of it. I think that's super sharp. I was curious if you saw the S and G stacked up as Schlesinger Group and that's such an underlying like legacy nod. Yeah. It's a legacy nod. Obviously that the S G is Definitely something that the minute we saw this name, we knew it embedded part of our past, but it's also this really nice, tight, modern name. And so it's just this perfect blend of the old and the new. And, and, but it was absolutely intentional that when we saw that, and if you look at the way we've articulated the visual identity with the colors and things, you'll see that it's, it's a kind of a reflection of our old look and feel too, just done in a much more modern way. Well, I totally love it. So kudos to the team. And I know that it takes a lot of patience. So my total respect for that. But let's talk a little bit about where Sago is going, because I think my audience, and I know them pretty well, (laughs) they're not only interested in the story and really what it takes to do this, but I think also they are curious about where does a company of your size and stature go next? Because you have gone through many years of acquisitions. You've been really on the top of the news in this industry for quite a while. And even before private equity came in into this industry in a larger way, you all were very, I would say, inwardly facing and already actively growing and acquiring within this industry. So I see you all as a kind of a precursor to some of the explosion of other growth. So I think people are very curious, where does Sago go? Yeah, Sago goes up from here. So what we felt we've done in the last three or four years is built a foundation. That's been the intentional thing we've done to make sure we have the right mix of products and services to serve a wide variety of research needs. And we don't do everything, but We have a very comprehensive set of products and services that for market research agencies, for what we call non-traditional buyers, folks that are even doing DIY, we have some really great solutions. The beauty of working with us is we can be a partner for you in a bunch of different ways that you want to go out and conduct research domestically, globally, digital, in-person, qual, quant, and that kind of very efficient relationship is paying huge dividends for us and it's driving a lot of our growth. So We have what we believe is a great foundation. We will probably continue to build out additional products. We want to make more investments in AI and our technology and understand how that can really level up some of the work and the outputs we do for our clients. But the foundation is there. I think the goal now is to bring Sago to more people, onto more doorsteps. We're seeing ever-expanding tent of people who want to do research, people who never did research before, people who don't call themselves market researchers going, Hey, I want to do this thing. And they describe it to us and we're like, oh yeah, that's research. And they're like, oh, really? Cool. Well, that's what I want to do. And so having those products and services that can address an audience that maybe is kind of just starting to dip their toe into research is a big part of our growth as well. I love that you said that because one of my pet peeves about this industry as I came in as an outsider was I noticed pretty early on that some researchers we're really not that confident sitting at the decision table in business in the C-suite. And I'm like, but you guys have all the power. You have all the data. You have all the knowledge. And yeah. it struck me as funny. And I think you've seen this in the industry a little bit. It's a little chronic 
undervaluing of really what market research is, what the power of what it can deliver to business. And I do like your your tagline, the adaptive solutions, confident decisions. And this, to me, really, I hope also continues to lead the way for the industry as a whole and inspire the industry to go after what you mentioned, some of these companies who in the past did not look to research and did not see the value there. There's a huge market of people who, I'm not talking about like the local pizza shop. I'm talking about mid-size brands, companies that are 50, 100, even $200 million in revenue that don't even know what research really is because they don't have they don't have the legacy or experience, or maybe they haven't had people in a product role before they got exposed to it. And once you expose that to them, they go, oh, how do you make that digestible and bite-sized for me? How do you have something that can solve a an ad testing problem that I have? How do, how do I go out and I test a new product idea? How do I talk to 15 consumers about this new concept I want to put on the shelf? And they find that research is an answer to a lot of those business questions, and they didn't even know that we were there to answer it. So I think you know we have always been, whatever the cobbler's children have no shoes, we have always been an industry that is terrible at marketing ourselves, terrible at talking about ourselves, which is the most ironic thing in the world because that's what we need. That's like that's our function for our clients <laughs> yeah. is to like tell them what consumers think, and we're just so bad at it. And like if we could, like if our PR could shift just a little bit about what research could do, I think the industry could double if just people knew the kind of business problems we could help them solve. Well, I completely agree, and I will tell you right now that probably the second presentation I gave on a stage at a market research conference was titled the cobbler's kids have no shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because it's, and, and, it's and it's, you know, it's crazy. And we just have so much untapped opportunity. And so one of the things we're trying to do at Sago is find ways to tap into that opportunity. And you don't even say the word research. You say, I want to go talk to customers. Great. That's what I want. But if you said the word research, they're like, well, I don't have a lab coat at home. So like we use this kind of off-putting language And at the end of the day, we are answering business questions with human answers. That's one of the subtitles that we often use. And like, I like that because that's all we're doing. Like we're getting business questions answered by asking humans what they think. And there's a lot of process and procedure behind that. But like the beauty of being able to answer a business question with just bringing a human into the table, there's so much more potential than what we currently tap into in the traditional market research space. So that's what we're excited about. And that's where we see some of our growth coming even today. I love it. So if you are in a place with your business and you want more confidence in your decision-making and you need to connect to those human answers, then all you need to do is say go. So it's sago.com. It's very easy to find. And Isaac Rogers, of course, he's on LinkedIn. You can find him at any time and you can see he's very affable. So he'll tell you any story that you ask for. (laughs) Isaac, I don't know why it took this long to get you on my podcast, but thank you so much. Priscilla, had a wonderful time. Thanks for having me. And let's do this again soon. From all the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.